Hey, welcome to the Gritty Genius Podcast. So this next conversation, there's so much depth and heart with my longtime friend and soul sister, Denanga Malumba. You know, I feel like I really wanted to do a different intro because I got so much love for her and I'm so thrilled to share this space with her. It's been a long time coming. So this conversation, we jam about pivoting in life, overcoming our fears of complacency and our thoughts around that, making our own path and growth. We touch on what it's like to be a woman of color and STEM and the weight of responsibility in those spaces. And so, you know, one quote that stuck out that Dananga said during this conversation, she said, if you don't push for your own path and interests, people are very happy to put you in a box that makes them feel comfortable about who you are. So powerful. So many powerful pieces of wisdom in this conversation. Um, but Denanga, she's a corporate attorney. She's worked in biotech, aerospace, and research development industries. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Chemical Engineering from MIT, and that's Massachusetts Institute of Technology. She also holds a Master's in Engineering and uh, Management from FIU and a law degree from Nova Southeastern, which is where I met her. Woo-hoo. She was born and raised in New York, and she's now based in Boston as a mother of two lovely curly-headed kids. Uh, So this is an amazing conversation. I really hope that you take the time to listen to it all. It really is honoring a friendship of 17 years um, of someone that I care deeply about and that I'm so blessed to have on this journey of life. So check it out. Thanks. You brought up the theme of pivoting. I was Uh like, pivoting, because it goes along with Gritty Genius. I feel like my whole life has been knowing and trusting when is that time to pivot, you know? I was thinking about it really hard. So so you said 17 years. Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. 2004. Um, Yeah, that's right. Nova, right, in Florida. Yeah, that's correct. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought about it pretty hard about like what would be a current theme, but I don't know if, if current theme is right. I think it's kind of when you look back. So yeah, I think my life has been a series of pivots, but I guess it's all in how you characterize something. Maybe pivot is not the word and I'm not trying to <laughs> change it on the spot, but I, maybe it's growth. Cause if you're not growing, you're not, you're not really living. Yeah. Right. You know, right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for you, I remember when we first met, we were at Nova, you know, you're going to law school and it's mm-hmm. like, but, but wait a minute, wait, you have a chemical engineering degree from mm-hmm. MIT, like that's a track, like you go to MIT, you're an engineer and that's like, that's the path, right? And then yeah. you take it to law school or engineering management, which is still, you know, still in that realm, engineering from FIU, but then you're just like, another pivot and you're, you know, you're a corporate attorney, you're still working in STEM and research. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So it's, there's That's still right. that science piece, but the career pivot almost looks like from an actual, like we're setting you up to be an applied engineer to then more management to then now law. No. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good point. And, and actually I think what makes me kind of come up with that idea of pivoting is, Mm-hmm. If I were to hand someone my resume, they would be like, this resume is schizophrenic. Like, what's going on, you know? But I, but or I kind of, insanely resilient and then obviously I'm biased, gritty and genius at the same time. <laughs> I, that you can change, I love it. I but you it. also know who you are and what direction you're willing to go in and take a risk. Well, well, yeah. So it's like it's oftentimes where I've had to 
maybe clarify my story, you know, so to speak. So I guess if you, you took it from a interview standpoint, someone's like, well, how do you get from this to this? And how do you get from that to that? But, but, you know, I think what that relates to is, hmm, I think people just often want to put you in a box, you know? So, mm-hmm. so a perfect example of that would be when I graduated and my, my job out of school, um, I was working as a quality engineer. And, um, you know, you don't learn how to do that in school. At the time I went to school, they didn't really have programs that were directed at that specifically. Although right now I think that's probably more common. So um, I did that for a few years and I was like, hey, you know, the the specific part of that that I was doing was um, not something that was very mentally challenging or, you know, not, not even really applying much of what I learned in school. And so I thought, it would kind of be more interesting to go to um, like new product development or something of that sort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I started inquiring and new people who are doing that, especially some of my peers. And they're just like, uh, well, some of the response that I received was, but you're a quality engineer. (laughs) I'm thinking Mm. I've been a quality engineer for one year. Like (laughs) what does that, what does that mean? And I didn't know what that was before I stepped into place. So it, it, it kind of, you know, I guess that helped me learn early on that if you don't push for your own path or your own interests, people are very happy to put you in a box that makes them feel comfortable, that they mm-hmm. get who you are. Yeah. Does that make sense? Where do you feel like you, that absolutely makes sense. Where do you feel like you learned that from? Was it upbringing, family, culture, where you realized you weren't limited to a job position title or a degree or, you know, a major and a degree in the area, especially when it comes to engineering, because usually that's like a career track. That's So, yeah, that. I, I, I think that's a good question. I, I think that was from experience. So the, the other thing I often say, which <laughs> may not be what I should be saying, uh, especially in a job interview, I would say that I was kind of an accidental engineer. So, so a lot of the reason that I decided to pursue engineering or the specific field of engineering that I that I ended up in was because um, I wanted to go to MIT and Mm -hmm. um, my father was an engineer and, and kind of, it it was sort of the thing where like the letter came in and it's like, well, we know where you're going, (laughs) but, but more so um, I had visited some colleges and I actually had a pretty good experience at the, um, their university weekend or whatever, like the pre-frosh, the the freshman introduction weekend. And I was like, Hey, you know, I, I finally felt like I was in a place where, people were like really mentally challenging themselves. It was just mm-hmm. so, so much different from high school, you know, in an environment where I guess if you're aspiring to do things, um, sometimes, you, you know, you get classified, you're either the nerd or the this or the that. Right. So, um, yeah, and I see everyone's a nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so then, so then there's like, like the, nerd of the nerds, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that goes everywhere. Like it, it goes back. It's, it's the theme, right? Like, yeah. It's kind of like comfortable once once there's a label that people can apply to you and then they, they you know, mm-hmm. I'm, we, we all do it. Right. It's it's all mm-hmm. stereotyping. Um, you know, all, all stereotypes don't necessarily come out as bad, but they're incomplete. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're not always accurate, but it's kind of a way for people to gain familiarity, you know. So you got to watch that. I mean, I, I now I have to get back to to. Oh, yeah. The accidental engineer. Right. Right. 
So you yeah, felt good at I'm, MIT and you feel like, okay, I'm here. So this is, you know, pursuing engineering is probably the next right step. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I decided that I should do. Um, but I wasn't just being, I guess, you know, fickle about it. Mm-hmm. I, I figured I wanted to leave a very strong engineering school with an engineering degree. My mm-hmm. other option would have probably been biology, and they actually do have a very strong biology program. And the reason I wanted to do biology is because um, at that time I, I thought I would go to medical school. So I um, I kind of did a little bit of uh, research, some asking, and um, found out that chemical engineering was the engineering discipline that most readily aligned with pre-med. And so mm-hmm. that's why that's why mm-hmm. I did chemi. So, so you oh. know, it's like there's a yep. story behind everything, and it's like yep. it does seem bouncing yep. all over the place. But I was like, okay, I want an engineering degree to say that I have an engineering degree from MIT. Um, but I really was also chemi and pre-med. Yeah, there was other there was another intention. You were you were straight hustling the options to make sure it set you up yep. for whatever that next step was. I think one thing, if anybody takes anything from this episode, and even knowing your story or even just this part of it, is that's a big part of who you are. I don't think you do anything fickle, and you really are deeply checked in with your intentions. Like, what am I doing this for? What's the purpose? How can I grow from this? Because you talked about, you know, quality engineering and how, again, there's this theme interweaving of of it not challenging you and you wanted to do something that's going to challenge you intellectually. What's mm-hmm. going to help you grow intellectually or help you feel like you're applying what you've already known or learned. And I think that's why you and I are just like soul sisters to the core. Oh, I think we've always appreciate that. felt like that, you know, like whatever we do, it's like, I have to apply what I've known, what I've gone through and to like continue to do this. Otherwise it's like, yeah, we're on to the next thing. I think we're on to the next challenge, goal, project that's going to help us, like, learn something new, even if it's uncomfortable. But, no, you're, that's, you're, you're I, you know, that's a part of who you are. You know, I, I love that, that people are like, chemical engineer, and you're like, nope, there was there was other intentions for this, too. It was going to serve other purposes if I needed it to, mm-hmm. which, it, which it sounds like it didn't. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Pivot well, point, well, that's pivot. right. That's right. But here's where I get back on track with the story, because because I know I was meandering. And but the, the point there was. So, yeah, I, I did that. I did chemi. I did the pre-med. Um, and you know, it, it was a certain point and here comes the pivot. Finally, <laughs> um, I realized that I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like why, why, why anymore I was pursuing it. And, and I actually started, I guess, to have a little bit of self doubt, you know? And so I'm like, am I doing this for the right reason? Why do I really want to be a doctor? What kind of doctor do I want to be? Um, and I went through the whole program um, I was, I guess, you know, I wasn't even really confident about my grades either. I had the books, I had the MCAT books. Um, but I, I went through some points of real reflection and I said, um, the reason that I wanted to go to med school was to help people improve their health, help people, you know, in that condition, right. And in any condition that, that needs to help them health wise. So I started to think about, are there other ways that you can do that? And and I guess from that point is where I started to carry the idea of like cross applicability, right? Like you you mm-hmm. and you've said this before um, in, in some of your podcasts, but just about kind of thinking about everything you're picking up along your 
journey, along your education, your experiences, and and how they can apply in other ways, and how they can yeah. help, how they develop yeah. you, you know, yeah. and, and that that was it. And and also, I guess along with that is why are you doing things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is mm-hmm. your motive? What is your mm-hmm. motive, right? So like, that's the bottom line question with anything, right? I, I really believe that. Exactly. Yep. And at that point where I was just like, I couldn't really figure out if, if um, med school made sense. And I don't know, it's, it kind of sounds like a weird story to say it that way. But um, yeah, but I, more about the intention of what I wanted to do. I started to get the idea that um, you could help people through public health policy. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of my, a couple of, I was going to say a couple of my last years, but I met my last years um, in college. I started to take like uh, public policy courses yeah. and started to be more interested kind of more in the legal route and the policy route and the, And and so while I was figuring things out, I said, you know what, I think I should go work a little bit, maybe a year or two, and consider going back to school, getting my master's in public health, and then maybe kind of continuing on in that direction. Mm -hmm. So so that was kind of the next pivots. It feels like a really long story. (laughs) No, (laughs) actually, I mean, this is such a a short, watered-down version of the story. Ah, yeah. You know? Because I think, you know, as we're talking, I'm like, oh, my gosh, just even before you got to college, these, you know, things that have shaped you, because we're talking about how they've shaped your career course and also these things that are a part of who you are, but also how they've unfolded into your career course. But then like life and children and a lot, we still have a passion for helping people. Mm-hmm. You Like if anybody that met you, they're not meeting you for an engineer for law stuff. They're they're meeting you and the quality of the relationship or interaction is going to be very much based from like a true deep intentional kind of place. Like that's your presence. That's why I think it's it's good to provide some of this because I also think like, you know, you're a Renaissance woman. There's so many things about you that I, I'd love that you touched on this idea of not stereotyping because we can't, like you are the furthest from that, you know? Um, you really do live outside the box, but you know how to use the boxes to your advantage to get what you need to get and to connect with who you need to connect. And I feel like that's what we share, too. And that's like the gritty genius piece, you know? Yeah. It's, wow. <laughs> I could cry. I got so much love for you. <laughs> I, I, I mean, oh, my gosh. I, you know? I feel the same way. I feel the same yeah. way. I have a question, though, about I was thinking oh. about you being like a woman in STEM, like a woman mm-hmm. of color in STEM. Wow, that's a great question. Yeah, there's so much that goes along with it, I I think. I feel like there's a a big responsibility, a Mm -hmm. a responsibility of representation, right? Yes, yep. Um, So my my brain went so many places. Okay, so I guess the first place my brain went when you were asking that question was – Thinking about, oh my God, (laughs) this is so good. Um, Thinking about my father told me, and and actually I'm telling you the truth that I'm getting a new reflection on this right now because I never thought of it from the perspective of him having that experience. Of course, that's that's a man in STEM, (laughs) but (laughs) but but you know, um, but he told me that you know one day you might look around the room and not see anybody else that looks like you. 
you know. Damn. And, yeah. Wow. And, and deep. That happens so often. Um. Yeah. I. I. Wow. I'm, wow. Maybe it will be a little respect. bit hard for That's me to it. respect for your dad. You know. Maybe that. You know. Yeah. I, I guess it's hard to get specific about it because, you know, in this case, that's uh, th- there have been several occasions. Like yeah, that, and we only right? have so much time. But yes, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. That representation piece, whether you're in a room and you're the only person and you realize no one else looks like me, the pressure and the expectation on that. I remember when I um, it was my post it was post bachelor. Um, so the, the year between bachelor's and my doctorate program, I interviewed at the NIH and, um, I was kind of naive. Like I know the NIH is the best research institution in the world, but I was like scrambling. I was like, okay, I didn't get a doctorate program. I got to figure something. I got to figure out next move. I have to solidify next move. I applied for this intramural research program at the NIH mm-hmm. and I went through a series of interviews in one day. They flew me in. And I just interviewed all day with different people, one department to the next to the next. And the last person, Dr. Um, Jean Cadell, he was Haitian, he was, uh, I think he was the chief, some kind of branch chief or department chief. He read my whole resume, which was surprising. And I'm just mm-hmm. a bachelor's at this point. And he looked at me, he's like, why do you want to be here? Like, why? why? I mean, why do we want to pick you? Why, you know, and he wasn't like antagonistic or, or putting me on the defensive. It was just curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember mentioning and saying, because there's not many Latinas that look like me or people that come from yeah. where I come from that, that, that are walking through these doors to have these opportunities. A really interesting point. And, and I did get the position at the NIH. They offered yeah, me. It was one of my best, best experiences. But once again, I felt like, okay, they, he saw me, he saw me yep. and, and yep. gave the thumbs up. I mean, he was like the last person to do so. He was like last interview, but that pressure, because I was in this, this lab with Cornell and MIT and NYU students. And they're like, you're from Eastern Michigan university. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah. And, and just like, like realizing like, Oh my gosh, like being a woman of color in these, in these spaces, is very much going to mean we're out of our comfort zone and very much going to mean there isn't going to be anyone else that's going to look like this or relate to on our level or, or, or understand um, that story. So, And that's I know, where the yeah. grit comes in. That's where the grit yeah. comes in, right? Because oh, yeah. it's like, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're just fighting uphill, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and you don't, you know, and, and you do that very well in terms of, you know, looking for mentors um, doing a lot of research and, you know, just having a lot of persistence and, and self-belief. And but what else, though? What were you going to do, right? Like, because I yeah. always felt like I, there was no safety net, you know? Like, exactly. I had nothing to fall back on. Like, if I didn't persist and I and I stopped or fell, what was there was nothing. There was no savings. There was no trust fund. There was no – I was going back home to Michigan. My mom was in a trailer and, you know, was just take care of herself. Yeah. She can't take care of me. So I always felt like – there was no choice in a sense, you know, it was just like, but yeah, I do believe that there was, yeah, that is the gritty genius because that fighting uphill ultimately leveled up this level of wisdom, knowledge and experience within me that again, we apply, we just continue to apply like every next step in life. It's like, it's this accumulative wisdom and experience that we have to apply. 
Well, that's incredible. That's yeah. absolutely incredible. But that's that's you. I, I feel like with the career piece, the mm-hmm. pivoting, but then it comes to family and, and motherhood and mm-hmm. finding yourself along the way. Because we were also talking about this, like women in our 40s, like, okay, we check, check, check fought these these battles and went against you know what society had thought we could accomplish and right here we are like what next I, I think it's probably just in my point of view like l- looking at things cumulatively if I'm saying that right um you, you're just you just like continue building right like um I don't know I think one of my fears is probably um complacency Right. There's a lot of times where you'll get in a a position um, where you you can continue to you know coast along and not be growing and yeah you know yeah. not really um, expressing your full potential or abilities. Right. Like you know I could have stayed as a person doing a checklist at work for a long yep. time, right? Yep. I mean, I, yep. I did auditing. That's kind of pretty much what auditing is. Um, the company would be very happy because they have somebody who is very good at a checklist, right? But what, <laughs> what, right? But what does that do for you, for your life, for people? Did you ever ask yourself, like, I am an engineer, a lawyer, I master's, I'm doing checklists? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that oh, was... Okay. Yeah, actually, I learned this about myself. I think it takes about two months <laughs> in a job or in a mm-hmm. somewhere have a perspective on the trajectory. Okay. Well, I guess they write books like that too, right? I trust you. Yeah, trust you. <laughs> well, in my experience, right? And, and yeah, so, yeah. That says a lot. More than a so book. I've had that experience a couple times at work. And then I'm like, hey, I'm going to be doing a checklist for a long time. I better better yeah. think about it. But, yeah, I mean, we're all, I mean, just like you, you're, you're so multidimensional, right? And, and if you listen to yourself, you'll kind of realize that there are parts of yourself that you need to explore more. Um, you know, you do that. You do writing. You do your blog. You do your podcast. Um, you do... <laughs> But that's what it um, seems like when you're like, oh, it seems schizophrenic because, like, I think that's where I also fear complacency. So I'm like, yep. let me start this project. Let me see if it can help this creative outlet or provide some balance because other areas aren't doing it for me. Right. And I think that I've learned to be OK with that. Like, I can start a project and if it's not doing it for me, I'm going to shut that down. Like, I don't know how many times I've opened and closed a private practice. I don't know how many times Sacramento has gotten my business license. And then, like, I'm like, nope. Close it down, start it back up, close it down, start it back up. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's that same thing. Like I'm I'm seeking and searching and it comes off as if maybe I'm starting all these projects or a podcast or this and that. But it's like because I want to continue to grow and I also need people to grow. Like and I at this point in my life, I feel like I know like people that have grown with me through my life and have always been there for me and you know you're one of those people right so you know we pull in and do this podcast and offer our experiences out to other people so they can grow so they can know it's okay to change course or pivot in life one two three four and a million times if you need to or start a project and shut it down do you do you consider um those businesses or like the starting and shutting down do you consider that to be 
a pivot? Do you see it cumulatively or um, how would you characterize it? I think I'm starting to. I think I used to judge myself and be like, oh, like, I'm just not business minded or I don't like the details or this and that. But I think now I'm starting to see it as a cumulative, like there's a time for everything. And especially with COVID, like, really, what do you want to dedicate your energy towards? Like, what is worth your energy? What's worth that time away? And ever since I had Ari, you know, the currency has always been, is it worth spending time away from my son? Oh, wow. All right. If I can't fit it in his nap time or when there's, I've always thought about, okay, if I'm going to lunch with this person or doing this thing, is it worth time away from my son? Is this going to help me grow or give me self care? And that's been a tough 100. I want to be with him all the time. That's been tough. But I also, you know, know he's going to be his own human being. He is his own human being, his own person. Um, but yeah. And I feel like it, it's the same thing. I'm learning that cumulatively every time I've started a project and let it go, like, okay, like, what did I learn from that? Or what was the intention behind that? Did I do it because I needed an escape? Or did I do it because I generally, like, felt committed to what I was offering? And, you know, this podcast is something like, okay, it hasn't been super consistent, and the framework changed a little bit, but it's something that I do feel like it helps me come together and create a space with with you, people that I care about, people that I want to, that I want to work together, like we can share a platform and and raise each other up and elevate each other's voices. So, you know, I love that. I I think that's, that's the intention behind it. You know, I mean, whether it leads to me meeting Oprah, I don't know, maybe maybe not. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but it doesn't matter. Keep working on that. We're doing it. We'll keep working you know on that because if, if I know anyone who can do it, it's you. So, so you know what I, what I think about this um, and maybe a lot of things that we do in life, right? So, so <laughs> I used to listen a lot to um, uh, NPR mm-hmm. and they have StoryCorps, right? I think I'm yeah. saying it right, right? And, you know, these beautiful conversations between friends, yeah. family, um, uh, kind of just leaving that legacy, Right. You yep. know, it's yep. it's just something like that. you go in the vault one day and someone's going to have that. Um, and and that's what you're doing, you know, that yep. how you're flexing in all these areas. Right. Um, you are creating such a a beautiful legacy. Um, so that's that's really wonderful. Um, well, and it's connected to people that I love and that I care about, which is, you know, that's and if we can do that, then it's all of ours legacy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like that's how not, I feel too, right? That's how yeah. I feel. I mean, um, so it's kind of like you got to push yourself in areas where you're less comfortable, your fears, because um, that's the but path. The complacency, to growth, you right? hit that nail on the head. Because, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know all my listeners. I don't know what the demographic is. I don't, that's one part of my brain I don't like want to go there because I don't want to get fixated on numbers and content and output where it mm-hmm. stops being authentic. But I do know maybe some younger people listening to this and and hearing that it's okay to it's okay to change it's okay if you have this sense of not wanting me to be complacent or live this path that someone else has determined for you or you know I always said like I knew like I was going to be a psychologist like I, but I knew that wasn't going to be who I was like that's a job title mm-hmm. that's like an instrument for filtering like 
gifts and how I work with people and it's going to get me in the door, but it's not going to be who I am. You know, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I kind of saw that about you. These, these jobs, these degrees, these, these positions and these things that you take are, are just are instruments that have gotten certain things out of you that you've connected with people that you've represented in a room and in a space where not many women have and women of color. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's how you have to look at it. And if you find out that you're in a place where you can't do that and that's something that you aspire for, you have to figure out how you can. And I think that's kind of something that I've been contemplating more and more. I, I think the idea of, you know, someone being Renaissance, um, I've seen both of my parents really do that. Um, my father particularly is a good example of it. I mean, he was an engineer, a writer, and... Um, you know, ended up doing was he a, a musician lot too, politics. or he really loved music, or was that your mom? Well, both my parents really loved music. Um, neither really um, was much of um, kind of playing music or a musician or anything like that. Um, but my dad actually, um, he ended up being um, working pretty hard to like promote the music of of his home country, which is, um, the democratic Republic of Congo. Um, so he, he ended up, um, bringing instruments over for musicians over there. Um, and he wanted to build a, a music studio and, and it's kind of funny. It, it makes me think about how, um, wow. technology has changed. You know, I, when yeah. I was at Nova, um, I was trying to help him get, you know, software and all different types of things. He would send me specs and he's like, go get me Cubase. And I'm like, what the, <laughs> okay. You know, what is that? Right? So I'm like, sure. Right. So, um, but now <laughs> you can download, you know, audacity. <laughs> yeah. Right. Audacity, you know, um, what did they call it? Garage band and all these it. things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe soon. Um, yeah. And you, you can, you know, Everything, it's like, and that's why there are so much, oh, there's so much possibility, right? That's what Mm -hmm. I was kind of thinking about the other day. Um, You know, where there used to be huge barriers to a lot of what we want to accomplish, technology and um, just everything has, has kind of accelerated the pace that almost anything is possible, right? My, My son talks about, Oh, you know, he wants to create a jet pack to fly somewhere. And I'm just like, it kind of exists, honey, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, you know what I mean? Right. Like it's yeah. like all this stuff we aspire, like even just now us on the phone or like, remember when, you know, years ago when we were kids and we used to watch TV and we used to, um, you know, talk about like video phone and it's going to be know. so cool and da da da. And right. like now we're just like, yeah, beep, 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 you know, like yep. it's not such yep. a. It's so, so, so the yeah. barriers for so many things. Like, so, so I guess one of the things I've been thinking about is like my father also used to write um, and he did articles and all kinds of things, um, books, textbooks, right? And, you know, so he started his own um, publishing company. And I'm thinking about, like, how easy it is to self-publish, how easy mm-hmm. it is to just, like, throw something up now. You know, I mean, I guess you want to be yep. careful about that. But, you know, blogs and 
article. Yeah. I mean, you just you don't you don't have to beg somebody to print your book today. Yep. Um, yep. So you can yep. do you can do anything, and and with that type, kind of mindset, I guess that's uh, what my kids talk about: growth mindset. <laughs> um, yes. Oh, I love it. You don't want to limit yourself, right? Yep. So yep. you. So for me, because I keep saying you, like universal you, and that might not be the case, but for me, um, I think as I've gotten older, um, I've evaluated um, possibilities and, you know, spaces where I felt most helpful and Mm -hmm. um, productive. And I, I think that's where you kind of have to allow yourself to pivot if that makes sense. 100%. Because you mentioned, you know, how the technology has changed and things are blurred now. And I think, you know, especially with COVID, I think especially with COVID, when you realize all those barriers that were there before, these structures are gone, you know, how, how do you get creative to still accomplish what you need to accomplish? And I think, you know, some pretty amazing things have come out of you know, the pandemic. And I think that's not to say like, oh, you know, how can you say the pandemic was good? I'm not saying the p- pandemic was good. I'm saying people had the growth mindset and there was resiliency to continue to create and make something different or to pivot when the situation happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also like. I, yeah, I think that's always been the, the story of my life. Like, that's why I think, I, you know, I was, I certainly went through my own stuff during COVID, but I was also like, this is temporary. This is not forever. And, mm-hmm. uh, and what's, what am I going to do with this? And it was like a day to day thing. Like, okay, wake up today. How do I face what's today? What is it going to look like? What can I do to really, re- you know, feel like I was empowered in situation because situations that, you know, external things are always, there's always things out of our control, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a boss, whether it's other people in our home, like, you know, but this idea of pivoting says I'm empowered. I have control. There's always something I can do in the situation. And I think I was just partly raised like that. And I think that's also what's helped me not necessarily like feel like I had to always be this psychologist or you're when you were talking about you know, after two months, you kind of know, oh, my gosh, that's so on the money. Yeah, you can yeah, kind of thank see you. your next 20 years in your life flash before your eyes. Oh, boy. Trajectory. And I don't oh, know if boy. that's just our own wisdom and insight or if that's if everybody has that and they don't want to face it. Right. Because I think people know, but they don't want to face it because of the unknown. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think <clears throat> that's what. You know, and people are like, you've always been able to be outside of your comfort zone or face challenges oh. or do something different. That doesn't mean it was easy. It just means there's something within me that once I know, I can't not know. So I have to be honest with myself, right? Wow. It's like I can't, if I know 20 years is going to be in this job and I, I just don't want to do it. And, you know, yes, I'm, you know, like, like I changed jobs in a pandemic after 10 years of being at the university. Yes, my retirement's up in there. Yes. Certain things are tied up into that. If I would have stayed, if I would have stayed, but I couldn't, I couldn't. I knew for myself what that was going to do for me. And, you know, my own mental well-being and all of that is more than any retirement or buying it, you know. Oh, that's that's definitely it. That's definitely it. So so that's the dream that we can't be sold, right? 
Like yes. it's we're 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 not robots meant to go and you know no. sorry to repeat but fill out somebody's checklist for twenty years mm-hmm. to put money in their mm-hmm. bank and to become mm-hmm. you know, lifeless. Like that's yep. I don't know. I mean I think that once you do that, that's beyond complacency. Right. And and that's the scariest thing that I could ever imagine. So so I think a lot of it, you know, is um, trusting your gut. Right. There, there's a point where you start to reflect on that, be it two months or yep. <laughs> or maybe and, and year 20 is not too late either. Right. Um, right. right. Because oh, never oh, too late. Never. Oh, no. So you you remind me because, you know, there's like these inspiring stories where you see like, you know, yoga instructors that are 90 years old and. Um, I saw this video of like this 85, well, I'm thinking 85 year old man who's like, was doing a backflip off of a swing. And it's just like, <laughs> like, like, you know, um, putting those yeah. limitations on yourself are self-imposed, but you know, the grit with it is like making things possible where people don't see it. Yeah. You know, I, I think the pandemic has proven to us, um, where we fear uncertainty it's always going to come right Mm -hmm. like like Mm -hmm. um and it's also made us i think pay much more attention to um our life our 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 way of life and what's important and um what's less important right so yeah so it's a forced pivot right um (laughs) it's it's changed there's no way to experience something like this and not be different unless you're, you know, not paying attention. Right. Um, well, it's and that's, business. that's the, that's the gritty genius of it, right? Like to, to pay attention. Yeah. And yeah. that doesn't mean it's fine. It feels good. You know, we're, we're like, I think we talked early on, we can only look at pivoting and make sense of things. If you're looking back, you know, you kind mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. you can make sense of it, but in the moment it, it doesn't always feel good. Um, but to, to be aware, to be willing to, to look at it and be brutally honest and to participate in life, you know, I mean, that's right. I love the, that one poem or quote, the man in the arena, like Uh the very fight of just being in the arena, be willing to take some risks is, is life in itself, you know, and to be a bystander of life and, and no judgment on how any, anybody chooses to do that. And I think this is part of me being in the arena. Like, these podcasts aren't perfect. And they're not, oh. like, you know, the best video quality. But we're in it. We're doing it. We're offering out to the world the best of, you know, our conversation and authentic interaction. And I think it can be that simple, you know. Like, I admire pivoting can be that that simple. It's just let me try to connect or engage uh, it's not, that's not always easy for me. I mean, I talk to people all day, uh, but I talk to my close friends, but always making a new friend or talking to someone that I don't know is not always comfortable, right? Um, no, it's hard. But those are, I think that's the small pivots, the, the offerings of being authentic. Um, so you can know, I ask you? you can. Can of I course, ask you? Of course, she can ask me anything. <laughs> you can ask me anything, you. <laughs> well, well um, um, I don't think it's much of a stretch, but um, do you reflect on what you think your next change of course might be? Like if you were to take a pivot in the near term, what, what do you, um, think that yeah. would look like? I don't, I do reflect on it and I feel it's something. 
I don't, I'm, I don't know what that is. Cause I love these conversations. I love mm-hmm. jamming out in these conversations. I love working with groups of people. Ah. Like if we could just, you know, retreat, all get in a space and commit to being with each other for a week to see what kind of transformation and connection could happen. Wow. You know, um, those are the things, you know, I think if, yeah, like teaming up, but again, I don't want it to be just me. It's like teaming up with people that like I feel authentic with and I can, you know, we all support each other. And I, because I think it has to be that to really make something powerful. It's not that, um, five steps and I'm selling you on this. I'm writing the book. You know, it's not a sell, not a sell. No, you, you wouldn't, but I I think it would be transformational. Yeah. Yeah. Every every time I talk to you, I feel like, you know, it, it hits on something pretty deep. And, and the thing about it is for things like that, you can start small, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because mm-hmm. um, I also, you know, have chopping it up with the chicas with Celine. Yeah. Yeah. I love about, it. You know, showing up as Latina or woman of color, but it also blends in the gritty genius where, you know, that's really pulling in people that I, I love and I know and are, are connecting on this level. And then, you know, I have gritty genius trough lead edition where, there's probably just some folks that want to hear the sports stuff and travel on wow. stuff. Um, but it, it's all, I feel like it's all the same when I show up, you know, I'm just drawing on my wisdom and experience and what I've gone through and offering it up in an honest way, you know, so however, whatever package we want to put that in to reach whatever audience, great. Um, but I think that's why I value these conversations because I love that we can always connect on this authentic level and it, we walk away from it like feeling like our my, I, I walk away from conversations with you feeling like my soul's fed and it helps me continue to challenge myself helps me continue to face the fears helps me continue to grow right it's like that fuel nourishment that you keep that helps you keep going it, it's a reflection yeah. of of who you are right um you offer yourself in a very authentic um disposition right so I think you just draw and make people comfortable right and that's Try. where you can get pretty <laughs> no I mean that's well I mean that's that's real I mean that's that's what I see in you and so it's like when you let your guard down um, yeah people are willing to do that as well for the most part I would think um, I know I and, and so it's really valuable and um, I don't know. It's just, it's just a gift. You're so eloquent. You're so yeah, that's giving. you, girlfriend. Oh, that's how I feel about you. That's why I'm like glad we had this conversation. I, like, I really the first it. of many because we're gonna come back. Yeah, we're gonna do this again. Okay. Wow. Yeah. No. Excellent. Really, really. Thank you for the thank you chance to do this with you because that's that's what means a lot to me. <laughs> of course. Me too. Like us just. Rejoining again on this journey of life, sharing where we're mm-hmm. at and our stories and offering mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. So I hope everybody, you know, that listens to this, enjoyed the conversation. And um, yeah, find us again on the Gritty Genius Podcast. Thank you. Peace out. And let's go.